Welcome to In The Loop, a podcast by Civic Duty Rice. My name is Connor Rasmussen, and I'm joined by three guests today. Uh, would you want to introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Kritika. Hi, I'm Celeste. Hi, I'm Ali. Uh, and it's my understanding that you guys are pretty passionate about the topic we're going to be talking about today, which is unauthorized pelvic exams. I have to admit, I'm not too knowledgeable on the subject, so I figured I'd just kind of let you guys go into it and talk about what you want to. Okay, well, I learned about unauthorized, or we call them non-consensual pelvic exams for the first time in March uh, when I saw an article about Maryland passing a bill to ban them, and I thought that this was a really horrible practice when I learned about it, and so I did some Googling, found out that it's not illegal in Texas, and I kind of spread this online, I talked to my friends about it, and then Allie uh contacted me about this class that we are taking now called advocating for change where they help you kind of come up with an advocacy campaign to get things changed and so now in the context of that class we've been working to get legislation passed that would protect uh texas women from non-consensual pelvic exams i guess we should start off by like explaining what non-consensual pelvic exams are um A normal pelvic exam is something that every woman has to um, have annually. They go to the, they schedule an appointment with their gynecologist and um, each year after you turn 21 and you, the process is that you enter the room, your doctor um, kind of explains the whole procedure and they basically, she like, inserts like I don't know <laughs> she like, like insert like two fingers. fingers and like checks your ovaries mm-hmm. and then they um, also like swab your cervix to make sure that everything's okay and that you don't have like um, anything that like HPV any other STIs or possible like beginnings of ovarian cancer so it's something extremely important but what we're focusing on is um, non-consensual pelvic exams, which are when a woman goes into, like, either comes to the hospital for a surgical gynecological procedure, or if she enters the hospital and is unconscious due to whatever may have, some emergency that may have occurred before. Um, and she is uh, taken into surgery with, at a teaching hospital and medical students, um, like they practice doing a pelvic exam on her without her consent. And this is problematic to us because it's for no um, like medical reason. Like it's just for educational purposes for the student. Yeah, so essentially, um, Teaching hospitals use these unconscious women as opportunities to train their students. Um, And in the case of surgeries, they may include some vague consent form where it says, for example, medical students may be involved in your care, but does not specifically say that medical students will be performing a purely educational pelvic exam that has no medical benefit. Um, And in the case where women arrive at the hospital unconscious, then there's no opportunity for any consent at all. And these exams are still medically necessary if a pelvic exam is necessary for diagnostic purposes. When someone arrives in an emergency, then the doctor would be the one performing it, not a medical student. And so these exams have no benefit to the women. 
And in most cases, the women aren't told that they've occurred after they are conscious again. So many of the victims of this practice will never even know that they are the victims of it. And to add, importantly, um, as Ali described, the procedure is pretty vulnerable. And when a woman goes in for a pelvic exam, um, it requires a lot of trust in their doctor. And um, like they have the time to prepare for it beforehand. It's not like a complete surprise. Um, so usually you're like emotionally prepared for whatever pelvic exam is going to occur and you know the entire procedure but when it's performed when such a vulnerable um like procedure is performed on a patient that's completely unconscious and um doesn't have the knowledge that it's happening um we think that that's a pretty big violation of the trust and respect that we expect from doctors so because of the nature of these exams and the fact that many of the victims don't know that they have been victimized by this practice, there are not a ton of uh, statistics available. However, there have been a few um, surveys on this issue, primarily of medical students and their experiences. One study found that 90% of medical students have performed a pelvic exam on an anesthetized woman, and the majority of them did not know if she had consented or not. An additional study also found that two-thirds of medical students um, had performed a pelvic exam on a woman that they knew did not consent. Um, and additionally, 40% of med school gynecological departments don't have a specific consent policy in place regarding informed consent for pelvic exams, which means that they are probably practicing these things because they don't require consent to be obtained by their students before they perform a pelvic exam on a woman who's unconscious. And we're not saying that we don't want this, like, that we don't think it's important for medical students to have this practice um, or to, like, learn how to um, do a pelvic exam on a woman in a surgical area. Because when we were talking with medical students, we learned that it is much more difficult than in the actual, like, um, and like a normal like patient room because it's darker and you kind of have to like navigate that area and so it's something that they need to learn but what we did uh, like learn through our research is that women aren't going to not consent to this practice in that like yeah so one study of women's attitudes toward pelvic exams found that between 62 and 89 percent of women uh, said they would be willing to consent to an educational pelvic exam to help medical students learn while they're already anesthetized for a procedure. They just want to have the opportunity to consent beforehand instead of having this performed on them without their consent. Um, and so while it is, of course, very important that medical students can learn how to perform pelvic exams, um, banning non-consensual pelvic exams at a state level would not be detrimental to these students' education. They would still have the majority of patients willing to participate. Uh, these patients would just actually be informed of what's happening and able to give consent instead of just uh, having that opportunity taken away from them. And this is something that other states um, have taken action on. So eight other states with um, very prominent medical schools in those states have taken action to ban non-consensual pelvic exams. 
So based on that data, we know that um, if we were to have such a policy passed um, through the Texas legislature, it wouldn't make that big of a difference because we don't see any sort of like huge outrage um, in medical schools in those areas that um, aren't allowed to perform non-consensual pelvic exams. Those medical students are still being trained. They're still graduating. So we would expect the same to happen in Texas. And that's actually one of the um, largest criticisms of passing such a policy that bans non-consensual pelvic exams is the idea that it would make it difficult for medical students to um, like be trained. So we know from the past that when these sorts of policies have um, been implemented, it doesn't make that much of a difference. So we think overall, some sort of bill um, to ban non-consensual pelvic exams, it would be um, a great thing for Texas. Additionally, um, this bill we think may also benefit medical students as one survey of students found that many of them understand that this is wrong but feel they don't have the institutional power to prevent it, so they're forced to cross their ethical boundaries for the opportunity to learn. Um, and we don't think that's right, and medical students shouldn't have to violate women's consent to get a full educational experience. Additionally, this kind of practice where consent is kind of disregarded um, does affect the attitudes of medical students toward consent. One study found that after uh, going on a gynecological clerkship where non-consensual pelvic exams were practiced, there was a 19% reduction in the number of students who thought consent was necessary before performing a pelvic exam. Uh, so this does have the potential to change medical students' attitudes toward consent, and we, of course, want our doctors to be trained to value informed consent, uh, not to disregard it when it's convenient. And what is informed consent, right? I think that's kind of somewhat a loaded term, and I think it's um, different from just consent in that, like, I think medical student medical schools or teaching hospitals argue that they already provide women with opportunity to consent to this practice by having you like when you go to a surgery, you remember that stack of consent forms that you have, and on the like twenty seventh form, I'm sure there's like this one line that says medical students will be participating in your pra in um your stay or your like care in your care. And that's what they argue is like the umbrella sentence or term terminology that um, is allowing for this practice to occur. Like women are consenting to have this happen to them just because they agree to have medical students like in their care. And I feel like, um, but in, informed consent means that the doctor would, before the procedure occurred, explain to the patient, oh, this is what's going to happen, and we're also going to have medical students practice um, experiencing what a pelvic exam is. Is that okay? Would you, like, would you be able, would we be able to do that with you? So it'd be way more explicit than just being in a stack of papers. Um, ensuring that informed consent is in place um, just takes an additional step to make sure that the patient is um, explicitly informed of what's going to occur, similar to how pelvic exams are conducted when you schedule an appointment, where you have the right to know exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, so that you're prepared for it. And we think those same standards um, should apply to pelvic exams that occur during surgical procedures.
So one of the reasons that this practice continues is because there are not a lot of people who are aware that it's happening. Um, I mean, the issues in collecting data for it are obvious because the victims aren't aware. Uh, but in many states, no one's speaking out against this. And we want to change that in Texas by um, kind of advocating for change on this and also looking to get legislation induce, introduced. But spreading the word on this topic is also very powerful. We've seen that in states where legislation passed, it was often because there was a lot of public attention on the issues that put pressure on lawmakers to change things because when people hear about this practice, they're outraged like we were and they want to see that it's not happening anymore. And to give a bit of, back of, the, of the background when it comes to the policy, policy side of this issue, um, in the last Texas legislative session, there was a bill introduced that would allow, uh, that would prevent non-consensual pelvic exams from occurring. Um, so basically what we're working to do through our project is to have a similar bill introduced again in the next um, legislative session, but this time we want to ensure that the terminolo terminology of the bill is specific to informed consent and not just consent, so that there can't be any sort of loopholes with like paperwork um, and patients are explicitly informed of the, of the procedure. So a few days ago, we met with Representative Sarah Davis, um, who represents some of us were like constituents of her um, and she also represents the Texas Medical Center um, where we talked to some medical students about um, different procedures regarding non-consensual pelvic exams um, and we presented her with our proposal for putting informed consent in place as a requirement in Texas and she agreed to introduce this legislation in the next Texas legislative session and um, agreed to actively work with us to uh, in like the writing process of the bill and make sure that we can like consult and um, like take she will take our opinions into account um, about the language of the bill. So we're really excited to continue to work with her on this and super grateful that she's taking this action to help protect women in Texas. Yeah, but one representative is not enough to get legislation passed. So if you are registered to vote in Texas and you don't think this practice should be happening, uh, please reach out to your state representative and your state senator and let them know that you don't think non-consensual public exams should be happening to anyone in Texas and that you support passing legislation to change this issue and to protect women um, here in Texas who may fall victim to this. Uh, as a constituent, you have a lot of power to influence your representatives, and on an issue like this that is very clearly black and white, right or wrong, it's very easy, at least it was for us, to convince our representative that this shouldn't be happening, and she agreed with us, and so we think many other um, legislators in Texas will agree that this is something important that needs to be changed. Um, additionally, um, if you would like to stay updated with our um, the work that we're doing in terms of this legislation, um, feel free to contact any of us. My email is kssh at rice.edu. Uh, my email is acb10 at rice.edu. And my email is aeg7 at rice.edu. All right, and I guess uh, one last thing. Do you guys have any like other like sources of information you want to promote? Any uh, other podcasts or articles that you think are particularly influential on this topic? 
So the most recent wave of legislation on this issue, which began in 2018, was sparked by an article in Bioethics written by Phoebe Friesen. Um, it's a great article about why this issue um, is a particular like ethical issue um, and a moral kind of dilemma and goes through the various arguments uh, for the practice and why they really don't hold water. So I would highly recommend reading that. Um, it gives a more clear picture, I guess, of like the ethical issue um, of non-consensual pelvic exams um, on a more national level, uh, which is really great. So again, that's uh, by Phoebe Friesen. It's in bioethics. Let's see if I can find the name of it. Um, additionally, I think if you just look up non-consensual pelvic exams on Google, there are so many search results that have lots of examples and information of different um, reports in different states. So one of the first things that comes up is like the Utah legislation and how things started with someone actually waking up in the middle of such a procedure being done on them. Um, and I think that's a good, really good article to understand um, the magnitude this practice can have on people. Yeah, so the Friesen article is called Educational Pelvic Exams on Anesthetized Women, Why Consent Matters. And the name of the victim in Utah who testified in, uh, in support of the bill was named Ashley Whites. And so if you Google Ashley Whites, Utah, you can find her testimony and her experience as well. Yeah, there's also a few reports of medical students who come out and said that they don't feel comfortable with this practice, like performing non-consensual pelvic exams and being forced to do that in the context of their medical school training. Um, and those articles are also really interesting because they give the perspective of the people who are actually conducting the exams and not just of the patient. So um, getting both of those sources, um, I think, helped us gain a better understanding of this procedure and everything that's occurring. Well, thanks again, guys, for being here. We uh, we really appreciate your participation in the podcast. Thank you for Always having us. Love having it when people reach out to us to ask for a topic. <laughs> uh, it shows how much you guys care about the issue, and I think that'll go a long way. So, again, if anyone that's listening is interested, feel free to contact any of our guests or your local representatives. And to sign off here at Civic Duty Rice, we want to remind you to stay informed, stay connected, and stay in the loop. Thanks again.